Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Raphael Fiedler. I'm Daniel. I'm Joe. And I'm Joey Police. All right. See, your guy already muffed it, uh, <laughs> Rafti. All right. You know, Rafti, Rafti, you're... You're not only a host of the show, but you're also a guest, which is pretty cool. And as a guest, you get to talk, you get to bring topics on. You've brought a topic. You've brought a topic in the form of another Austrian. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now there are two of them. Oh, no. And this is the problem with Austrians. Once you let one in, they start to occupy your domain. You know, (laughs) that's low. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm also not sure if you're conflicting something here, but okay. I, I, I think right. we're no, one no, of the non-colonial countries in Europe. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Go ahead. Rafti, who'd you bring with you and why? Yeah, I brought Daniel with me, who already jumped in. Um, he is one of my co-founders and CTO of the company, which I'm running, um, Safing. And so he actually was the one with the idea who was like basically sitting there realizing, wait, I know how to fix my privacy issues. I know stuff about networking. I studied IT security and so on. Uh, I think that dates us in this context, doesn't it? For us, this was already an option to to do a a degree in. Um, And so he realized, well, I can do this for me, but um, yeah, basically the people around us can't. So, Daniel, um, welcome to the show. How are you? Welcome. Hey, thanks. Great uh, being here. Looking okay. forward to having lots of fun with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's not going to happen. But, but, why don't you go ahead? Uh, uh, Rafti did a great introduction of, of what you do. You want to tell the audience about yourself a little bit too? Well, uh, all of this started, as Raffel said, um, during my studies when uh, Snowden came out with all these documents. And I realized, well, I can protect myself, but I want to protect others too. I want to give, I want to empower other people to protect their personal data online, their like personality, because like we put so much into our devices that our devices become kind of a replica of ourselves. And I think that's something we really need to protect online. And that's something um, I set out to um, empower users to do. And that's why I brought Raphael and uh, our other co-founder on board. And that's where we're on the journey and we're on. Well, of course, awesome. Incredibly admirable. We're all very pleased that you did this. This is a wonderful thing. Uh, how did you meet Rafti? Was he hanging outside your home asking for money? <laughs> Actually not, no. Um, I am actually a, a friend of mine. But... Okay. All right, good. Good. He's a friend of ours, too. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, Rafti, when you proposed this episode, you had an idea in mind. What What is it we're going to talk about? Because I'm not sure I understand it from, from a technical perspective. Okay. Yeah. So a couple episodes ago, I think um, one of the topics that came up was network security and especially behind firewalls. Um, So you have your Cisco firewall 
in your server mount rack and it's like um the one point where when stuff goes by um you're sort of like yeah then then you have somebody in your network and um potentially wreaking havoc and potentially you if you, you need to check every device to see if something is going on and so on and so we talked about this in a in a in a situation where i'm like well as far as I understand, we haven't built this yet, but our network, like the S safe and privacy network, which we're building mainly as Daniel was already hinting for, for private consumers can ha like has the potential to fix sort of this issue as well, especially in our connected world. And so when I, when I wanted to talk with you guys afterwards, Ben immediately cut me off and was like, well, we need to talk this on the air and maybe get like somebody who actually knows this stuff very in detail on here as well. So this is the reason why I asked Daniel to, to be with us here as well. <laughs> Excellent. So, so we're talking more about instead of personal privacy with a human using a browser, we're talking about checking the machines and the services and the apps and determining how to privatize them. Is, or, or is, is that what we're talking about? Well, it's all well, privacy is one thing we can do, um, but especially in the context of businesses, the technology we've built and are building um, opens up a lot of other very interesting use cases too um, that I think we want to get into. Well, by all means, let's get into them. Go ahead, Daniel, tell us something about this. Now, I, I warn you, I brought Matt and Joey on, not for their charisma, but because they actually understand the technology and they may want to poke holes in it. And that should be good. That's a good process of how we do nerding. So, you know, um, that's what they're here for. But go ahead, go ahead. Tell us some business cases here. Okay, so let's, let's start with the basic technology um, so that we kind of understand how it applies to business cases first. Um, so we're developing uh, two uh, uh, kind of uh, products. Um, the first one is a firewall, which um, for what we need now uh, kind of takes control of all network traffic of a device and kind of knows uh, which application every packet belongs to and can block these packets or redirect them. And then the, the SPN, the network, um, is um, a, somewhere between like Tor and the VPN. So it kind of borrows from, from both worlds. And what it does, it creates a um, network of servers and creates optimized routes between these servers, then publishes that information um, and then clients can use these routes to route the traffic. And traffic is not routed kind of like the all or nothing thing, like a VPN or like all your traffic goes through that server, but every connection is routed individually. So every connection is taken, oh, this goes to that server. So let's find out what is the best route for this connection through the network. So and this results also in when you, um, you actually using many exits and many appearances at the same time for your traffic. So when you're talking about um, every connection, are you, are, are you talking about a session? Are you talking about a packet? Are you, are you talking about... Uh, so one, one TCP stream, for example. Okay, so a series of packets connecting one machine to another for the duration yeah. of the conversation. Okay, so yes. a, a session, pretty much. Now, yeah. um, what, let's start with the firewall. What distinguishes the safing firewall from any other firewall? 
Well, I think the um, most important thing is that uh, it connects the dots between a lot of things. So it takes a connection, it checks um, where uh, is it coming from? So what's the process that initiated that connection? Uh, what's, where's it going to? Um, do we know of any uh, DNS requests that match that packet? So do we know the name, domain name? Um, is this domain or IP address in any known uh, blacklists um, that, that we can like add more information to and like combines all that information and then makes a decision based on the settings of, of the user. So it's kind of statefully aware. It draws from other devices within the within the network or on the perimeter, and it it kind of assesses the security of this connection before allowing it. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, Joey, man, does this work? Would that work? Hypothetically. Oh, of course not. There's no way this is going to work ever. <laughs> okay, good. Saving you going out of business. No, <laughs> they're firewall. Obviously, I'm kidding. No, uh, I mean what you're describing is what a lot of other firewalls seem to do. So I'm curious what you're doing differently that any other Cisco Ubiquity uh, Meraki <clears throat> firewall out there does, or is this something else altogether? Is well, let me let me interject before you answer that question. Is this a piece of hardware, or is this an application firewall? Ah, good point. It is a software. It runs on the uh, client. So it's an application firewall. It's okay. not run in network. It's part of the um, OS of the client. Okay. But I've already got a Windows 10 box or a Windows 11 box. It's got a built-in firewall. How uh, that that works. What, what What's different about yours? Well, it, it works for like the, the basic use case of others not being able to key, connect to your device, but it blocks nothing that goes out. And that's where the privacy aspect comes in. And privacy is very dependent on your threat model and what you want. Uh, so, and how we empower users um, to regain privacy is to, um, on the one side, give them automated tools um, to block connections that are on uh, tracker lists, um, like a lot of ads uh, include trackers. So these are blocked on a system level. Um, but also we give them full a full view of everything that's happening. So if you open the Portmaster, that's what the firewall is called, you instantly see a list of all the applications that are currently active on the network and you see where they connect to, how long they've been connected, and you can assess um, if an application is doing on the network what you expect it to do. And you can see um, where it's connecting to, and if there are like things there that you don't want, like it's connecting to some tracking domains or stuff like that, or Windows is like doing their uh, regular uh, check-in with Microsoft, and like, I don't really like that one, so I'm gonna block that one. So you just click on the connection, click block that domain, and you're good. Is this geared more towards the consumer residential or more are you is your target market small, medium, large enterprise businesses? So currently we're only targeting uh, consumers. Um, that's where we see the biggest privacy need uh, at the moment. Um, but we are evaluating uh, small and medium business cases um, 
to see where we can apply that technology there. But also, um, especially if for some parts of the SPN, we are evaluating um, bigger cases like uh, protecting uh, factories or protecting um, power plants, stuff like that, um, because they have a, a IT network and an OT network, and they kind of want to secure this gap in between. And that's something where we can come in with new technology um, to protect that gap. From a resource, right, got, yeah, go I ahead. Can I ask a question. Let me jump in here a sec. <clears throat> All right. I, I'm curious about how egalitarian the solution is. And the reason I say that is um, you say uh, the user can check what the connections are and whether they expected that or whether this thing is dangerous. Um, if I if I loaded this thing onto my machine and I opened it up and I looked at it, all of that information would be gibberish to me, only because I have no idea what the expectation is, what those connections are for, what they do, what is a common connection versus what is something that may be hostile or anomalous. Um, is there a bit of a disparity right now in privacy among those who understand the situation versus those who don't? And are we gonna have to wait until the common person can understand what's going on and then they can get privacy too. I think in a B2C situation, Ben, you're right. We're working uh, especially, like exactly for that reason on surfacing better information, maybe pulling in more inf external sources as well and explaining what this domain actually um, like does afterwards. But of course, we're using filter list for that use case as well. I, I wanted, as I said initially, to talk more about the potentials. And I don't know why Daniel moved into that other direction as well. But the B2C direction, we can stay here as well. I, I don't care. Like, I, I wanted, I, I thought. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, let's talk. What let's talk B2C. Um, let's but talk I'm. B2C. I'm, I'm, I, for the B2C market, I'd say like we're moving towards getting better, like information out there. One of those, for instance, is like graphical interfaces as well, as uh, Daniel was hinting at also is um, you, what you were saying, is this an anomaly or is this usual? Just by looking at it, seeing how many approved connections there are, how many block connections there are, and they're blocked based on, on filter lists we already provide. Um, so you you understand what the application is. And then just basically like looking into an application and seeing, well, this connects to analytics.google.com gives you an, an instant understanding what this actually does. Uh, and usually this is the case with applications that you see one application connecting to a domain that you don't see um, has any value to it. Like, um, Spotify connecting to Facebook or something. And then you're like, why does my Spotify need to connect to, to social media? I want to block this. And then what you can, of course, do because it's software and it's fairly easy to access, it's right there on your device, you can experiment and you can allow and disable those connections and you can just go about it and try it out and then revert back. And so I, I guess for the B2C market, and this is 
partly why I wanted to move a bit away from it. I think the risks are way lower, like in that regard. Also, the reason why we, why we opted for it as well, because individuals can experiment with their connections. There is no money on the line if they con if the, if their Spotify is not working for half an hour until they figure it out. You know, um, if you're in a B two B setting, if their service an essential service is down for half an hour, um, that that is money. Yeah. And so, um, what we're then, uh, or what I, what I, my intent was on figuring out was, um, understanding, well, um, as far as I understood in the last conversation was that the part of the, the, the issue is that I think Joey, was it you? Some of you, one of you uh, told us about this dating service that was running on one of, uh, the servers. And I'm like, and I was sitting here and being like, how can this happen that a program is executed on a server without me knowing, without me realizing? How can there be an open port on the server without me knowing? And I understand the, the feedback of like, well, on the Windows machine, there is a firewall. I understand what Daniel has been saying, well, for incoming connections. And I know that you can sort of like block certain stuff in that firewall as well. But apparently... There, there is a need for, for an extended analytics on what is going on on my devices. And furthermore, what I, what I have been thinking about with the, with the SPN was, well, it, in this bridge, like, because I need to open up multiple servers to the outside, why don't I only allow the service to connect out? And why don't I, why do I have to connect? to networks together and why can't I connect to applications together? And so this was my, my thinking of, well, with the SPN being able to see each application, seeing each connection going out or the port master, like the firewall, and then routing it through the SPN, this opens up, I think, uh, an interesting use case um, where you're like, well, the server um, now is locked down where it can, where only those three applications have even access to the outside. And so if there would be a, like a hacker with, with access to the server installing a, a fourth application, it would not even be able to exit it. Or this is how I, I at least, um, wanted to like probe okay. your minds yeah. and thinking. Okay. This thing. All right. And Daniel, of so course, that, is here for the, you're awesome. It's great. All right, Daniel, calm him down. Calm him down. Easy boy. Okay. So, um, so well, uh, Rob described SPN. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. SPN. What's SPN? It's the Saving Privacy Network. Okay, okay. Oh, is this proprietary? No. it's. I mean, yes, but it's open source. Wait, but it's what? open source. Okay. <laughs> it's ours. It's ours. It's not compatible with any other standards at the moment. But okay. it's open source. Right. It's open so what? So if I can understand what it is you're trying to say now is instead of and and I love the explanation and how we're incorporating a lot of info before we're deciding which connections to make. Now you're talking about application traffic that should be allowed, but you want to piggyback all of it in a kind of similar way to tunneling where it only goes through these three apps as it's outbound and that can limit, for instance, hostile traffic starting from inside your machine might try to do. And if someone wants to get access internally, they're limited on 
talking back out and exfiltrating something. Is that correct? Do I understand that? Yeah, I think that was okay. what the proposal was. Okay, okay, okay. All right, cool. All right. right. So it's the and... outgoing and not just the incoming. And then if, if, if it's outgoing, then it's going across this SPN, which you guys own and can sniff all the traffic on and can see all the packets. No, no. <laughs> we can talk about this as well. <laughs> so it's like your own little proprietary VPN. So, so, so the SPN. This is different than like a Nord VPN or something like that, right? This is this is something that's that Safing has done the right way. Is this right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's built from the ground up, um, and of course we uh, take um, a lot of concepts from Tor, and um, but still do it a bit differently and optimize it for more of what a VPN user would expect. Okay. Well, can can I ask, why didn't you just piggyback on Tor? I mean, Tor has been established. It's been around for a long time. It's a well-known protocol. What's wrong with Tor? Well, Tor has um, a couple problems that we were trying to circumvent. Um, the, the first problem with Tor is that um, you either only get your browser protected or it's very hard to actually configure it correctly um, so that really everything from your device goes over it. And uh, we can solve that really easily with the integration with Portmaster um, where you just install it and it integrates itself because it is both firewall and the network. Okay. So if you have the Portmaster software, which is the, the incoming outgoing firewall, yeah. Do you also need the SPN software to, to send the traffic in and out of? Or, or you, you, you can do them independently of each other? Well, the, the, the SPN is kind of an add-on to the Portmaster. Okay, okay. But if you, yeah. if you want to use the SPN, you have to have the Portmaster software. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm just making sure that if I, if I install this on my laptop, that Rafti gets to see every <laughs> website that I go to. Is that right? No, definitely not. <laughs> so not. So that, that that's the part we borrowed from Tor. So okay, it is okay. included in the traffic. We don't see anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's really so, no content filtering going on with this firewall. With with their firewall? Yes. On from on the client from, itself, there right. is uh, the content filtering that you want and configure yourself. That is there. Um, but there's no imposed filtering. Okay. How does licensing work for this? I'm very curious. Is it, is it like a off the shelf, like you're buying a, a Nord VPN yearly license or, or is this a, an annuity where in order to stay current, you've got to, you got to keep it going. So the, the network itself is a subscription model. So you can either pay monthly or yearly to get access to the server network. The, the Portmaster firewall is free. Okay. And open source, both. So <laughs> both okay. open source, Portmaster also free to use. Okay. So, so How do you afford having an office? <laughs> Well, um, we have a lot of grant money um, <laughs> that we got um, in order to start this company. Yeah. 
That, okay. that that's how things are done in Europe. I yeah. know science and in, development in, grants in the U.S. They're like they like they don't like entrepreneurs, um, but here in Europe, that that's the tool normal way to go. What I mean is, how are you going to keep this going if it's all open source and it's all you know free free to use? Where well, you money to get on the network? Yeah, the S Pen is a monthly subscription. So gotcha. it's like gotcha. yeah, okay. it's, it's okay. a monthly or yearly subscription you can decide. But for the for the B2B um, solution, what we're thinking is basically charging a licensing fee depending on the, uh, the amount of devices which are on the network and then having like a distributed um, like management software on top of the portmaster being installed on all the individual servers. And then where you can, of course, manage like what are the filter lists what are stuff like um, where what ports are allowed to, um, the services to connect to, or what what um, IP addresses are those services allowed to connect to? So you can decide on a service per service basis where it's allowed to connect to, or which is going through through the network. And there, of course, you can have an, an, an on-premise network as well. You don't need to connect outside. So, Matt. Of course, you can build your own SPN network if you want. Uh, and so <laughs> this is sort of like the situation um, where I'm like, I think this is um, still uh, an, an interesting, like decentralized um, across the, the IT infrastructure. And as Daniel already was hinting at, especially what, like when you're bridging IT to OT, um, an interesting setting where you can protect the this bridge um and lock it down even further and have like this one ot server only being allowed to connect to this one or this application on the ot server only being allowed to connect to this application on the it server and those two are the only ones talking with each other and so you can so, protect the, the let, me, let, me, let me ask grafty um yeah. this sounds less like a, a firewall and more like an egress monitoring solution like some form yeah. of dlp looking for exfiltration Am I, Joey, you're nodding your head. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not, but but yeah, that's kind of what what I'm thinking as well. I'm actually downloading it right now. I'm going to install it. I want to I want to take a look at this. Oh, geez, Joey's going to go off. <laughs> Please, you're doing that in a sandbox or on a VM, right? You're not actually putting it on your real machine. I'm in a production client system. You know oh, why good. not? Oh, good. Excellent. Good. good. Okay. Um, I, uh, Rafi, I just had a quick question. You, you're, you're using the terms IT and OT. Can you define OT? I know what IT is. What, what, what is OT and how is it different than IT? You're asking me. So, but so then OT, OT is what uh, uh, like is uh, usually done for the operational uh, network, operational technology. So, like uh, for example, a power plant would have kind of the the normal office network with management and kind of uh, usual IT stuff, uh, regular okay. stuff. And then they would have kind of the the OT network, um, which kind of would be then controlling the power plant, which often is completely shut off um, right. for like the really big power plants. So Air-gapped and um, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, but for like smaller factories, there is a connection between, because they do communicate, they do report um, and all that stuff. So there is this like, um, gap between these networks that they want to keep as tight and small as possible. And um, right. there's a very good reason for that. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 the office okay. is currently operating yeah. from Windows 7 to Windows 10, but in the factories, you have Windows 6B machines, which you can't okay. 
But that's okay. We want the factory to be dumb and we want it to be isolated and we don't want Stuxnet on it. So when you say OT, you're talking about like PLCs and that kind of thing, right? You're talking about you're talking about the robots and whatnot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Matt, thank you for asking that. I thought I should know it, but I didn't want to <laughs> expose that I didn't. Okay. We, we were all looking at each other like, all right, who's going to be the one that looks dumb? I'm so used to that because in my previous job, I, I worked for the biggest non-universal tool uh, research uh, institution in Austria. And I was in a group that researched IT security for uh, power plants and stuff like that. And they had a kind of cooperation going on also with the International uh, Atomic Energy Agency, um, which also is in Vienna. Um, so there were very interesting uh, projects going on there. And I, I was just just too used to these terms, sorry. <laughs> okay. No, no, that's good. And I'm glad Matt has the guts to actually ask the tough questions. Um, <laughs> All right, so Joey, what are you thinking so far? So I, I just rebooted my system, and I'm getting ready to launch the Portmaster here. And I want to clarify for anyone listening that's that's you know intrigued by this: Do we have is it two products or one product that's free? And then if you want the additional uh, services that come, let's say like the, the the premium flavor, then you're going to go ahead and subscribe to the quote unquote pro version. Is that right? Yes. More or less, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, and and for stuff that what you might be interested in as well as, um, we're thinking of maybe a, a tier in between where you have like already the capability, especially in the SME sector where we think like Docker containers, uh, virtual machine support, and stuff like that. This is currently a little bit excluded, but this is also where I'd, I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Um, what, what you would yeah, like? Yeah, I li I like this. It gives you a quick setup. Um, which is almost like a template. Uh, this is th for those listening. I'm, I'm looking at this right now. This is pretty slick. Um, and it, and to me, this looks like a advanced content filtering system, but almost with a with a DuckDuckGo type of security behind it. And I'm not trying to marginalize this. I'm not trying to dumb it down. But but uh, I think there's a lot of of potential with this. I, I'm I kind of want to get off the podcast and start messing around with this even more. It looks, it looks pretty That's cool. Great. It looks pretty cool. I love Joey talking about IT stuff because he comes across like a reporter uh, uh, monitoring the the landing site at War of the Worlds. It, this is really amazing, folks. If you're listening right now, the, the little green men are stepping out of the ship, and it's really quite fascinating. <laughs> hey, here's a quick question for you, though, uh, Rafti. Uh, does the system, is it only per device? In other words, if, if an organization wanted to install something like this on the network, could they, could they do it? And then without putting it on every device, could it, could it branch out from a firewall level, uh, you know, from that layer? Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is exactly what I wanted to talk with you guys about, where I'm like, from our perspective, currently, um, the capabilities are there. But we're not we're not working on it at the moment because for us the consumer is closer. We understand as as Daniel was saying, our origin story is like with us understanding that big organizations can afford people like you, Joey and Matt, and like um, who are doing this thinking and planning for them. But an individual has not that time. 
But what we are, what we are now, or what I think I heard after being like on this podcast for so long is, well, actually there's stuff that I think we can do and we might even be capable of giving extra here as well, which in the B2B context, when you're talking about networks, when you're talking about stuff like that, which might be useful. So currently there is not an option what you're talking about, but this is basically when you're saying, well, you already would know people who want this. We're like, oh, this is interesting to us. So this is basically where I'd like where where I'm I'm turning the the thing All right. around. All right. It's so Matt, Matt, are you aware of another similar product in the egress monitoring or DLP space that this could replace or compete with if they were to put this on a box on its own box and act it as a gateway instead of a host based mechanism? Um, uh, well, the, the, the biggest analogy I, I was thinking of was uh, there's a product called Snort that's been around for a long time. That is a, um, oh gosh, what is it? Uh, 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 IDS, uh, uh, intrusion yeah. detection system. Yeah, it's a, it's a packet sniffer. On, yeah, yeah, it's a packet yeah. sniffer that started out on, on Linux boxes and, and has now become a standard. Um, that is an option on some higher end firewalls. You can install a snort sniffer. In fact, Joey and I just had an incident last week where we had to turn off a, one particular snort signature that was put out, pushed out to Meraki devices. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, it sounds like this is something that could be kind of like that where it's a module that you could install on a piece of hardware. Joey, what, Joey's laughing. What, what are you laughing no, at? Joey? Matthew, everything you're saying is, is all, yeah, as always spot on, but this is snort like, this is the the Dubai penthouse version of Snort. I'm, I mean, this is very impressive. Looking at this, because <laughs> Does it have you a have old Lamborghini, right? Well, here's here's why is for 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 old school IT individuals. Yeah, your 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 tools like Snort or your um, uh, your Nmap and uh, other utilities are are not very GUI based. They're not very graphically sexy. And and easy to use. And I'm looking at this right now, uh, the granularity that you have, like I'm seeing some things. I'm like, gosh, I didn't even know that that was running or I didn't even know that that was, you know, a system on my network. Um, this I think there's a yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of great things with this. Um, and I'm talking as I'm looking at it, which is probably not very professional, but. Uh... <laughs> the little green men are getting out of the crap. Okay. No. <laughs> but that's exactly what we're looking for and what we're trying to empower people because they find things on their machines, on networks that they did not know were there. And that's exactly what, how we want to empower users to give them the information and then the tools to get to remove that stuff or block that stuff. So that that's exactly where we want to be. Which is neat and that's admirable, but I think, you know, Rafi also has a really good point. If there's a B2B solution to be found here, that could be extremely profitable and then you can piggyback all the co all the consumer facing stuff on that and let the businesses pay for the R&D of all that. Um, Definitely. Do, do you want to hop into the first business case? <laughs> please, by all means, what is it? Great. Okay. So I think the first thing we see is that uh, we want to scale up Portmaster um, to be a solution that can uh, be centrally um, uh, managed and monitored. Um, there is the option to install it kind of as a network version, but we lose a very important piece of data. And that is we don't know anymore which process a packet belongs to. 
So what we're like thinking about is instead of putting it on a network, we still want it running on every client so that it's also protected when it leaves the network and like goes traveling somewhere. And then we have a central uh, management where you can create rules. So kind of similar to what uh, Windows App Locker does, um, where it kind of like denies certain uh, applications or paths on network access or even- Would this centralized tool also aggregate all that process data from the individual devices as well? Um, Yeah, that's where, that's the next step um, to, get it uh, collected data or better yet uh, send out aggregation requests. So the client will aggregate the data for the server, which also is very good for privacy because employees might not want to share all of their uh, data with the company, um, depending on the country you're in, there are different laws about that. Um, also depending on the agreement. Employees can kiss my ass. It's my machine, my network, my data. They well, better they, aggregate that The company hours that they had an agreement that uh, employees were allowed to use their devices for private use cases. And they didn't think that through, um, but they, <laughs> they weren't allowed to look at their own network traffic anymore because of, of privacy laws. So that is that is like one extreme use case, of course, but they do exist. So, um, but the, the the core idea is that you get like weekly reports about uh, what is going on in the network, um, unusual okay. stuff, like processes that were, um, you've never seen before, accessing the internet, new domains that you've never seen before. And then you can cross link that to like multiple devices. Oh, there's only one device accessing a new domain or there's like 10 devices. And then um, the, the system can help you find out the juicy bits that um, are suspicious and you really want to take a look at. So it's about- you do, you do understand the irony here is that the tool you built with the idea of enhancing individual privacy is the ultimate snooping tool. <laughs> right. well, of course, if you if you start exfiltrating that data, then okay, all right, all right. I just want to point that out yeah. that this thing could easily be weaponized, right? Yeah. For harvesting. Okay, so, all right. Give me another. Give me another business case. Okay, so that that's that's the first one. Um, I see is kind of um, like taking the insights of the individual up to like a, a company layer. Um, that's that's one. Uh, the second one is already in the SPN realm um, where there is, with, especially with the start of COVID, um, a lot of companies have like turned on their VPN servers and they realized they're slow and they kind of kill all productivity because all the traffic goes into the company and out again. And that's not that smart. Um, there are a couple uh, companies that stepped into uh, fill that uh, need. Um, one is uh, Cloudflare with Cloudflare Teams. Um, another is Tailscale. Another is, I think, Netbird, I think it was called. Um, so what they do is kind of they take the kind of corporate VPN thing to the next level. Um, that's something that we can do too um, as that where it will um, protect the traffic and only route the things you really need to the servers um, that need it. So it's not kind of the um, like a dumb VPN that just connects you to the company network and that's it. 
but the VPN itself already does some smart routing um, as to where connections need to go and which one can just go to the internet uh, or uh, wherever. So that kind of improved the whole uh, work from home situation for a lot of companies. And these networks also have uh, access control put into them. So instead of managing your corporate network, uh, you kind of will outsource that to this virtual network where um, you don't like manage your DMC or whatever. You're like, we have one server and you're like, okay, these clients can access these servers. So they so, are bringing the network to network. Sorry. So, so if I'm understanding, so you're saying in addition to the security of the encrypted tunnel of the VPN, you're talking about optimizing the traffic by targeting it correctly. Is that is that what I'm gathering? Yeah, yeah. that's the optimization part. And what they do is with normal VPNs, you kind of have, you like do a, a network security kind of on a network based level. Mm -hmm. And these new players like Cloudflare Teams, uh, Tailscale, and so on, they bring network security to the host level, where they define on a per host. Um, level where what's going out where no matter what IP address they have, no matter where they are in the world, because everything on that layer is seamless. What we do is we go even one step further and we can define a process to process security because we know which processes there are. And we can say, okay, this terminal app is allowed to connect to SSH on this server. And only goes through if it's this terminal app on this machine and if it's this SHA server on this server. Matt, I got to ask you because <clears throat> I'm out of my depth here. When I pull up my process list in my task manager in Windows, I know almost maybe one or two of the 873 things that pop up. If I start playing whack-a-mole on those randomly, am I not going to brick my machine eventually? <laughs> There's a high likelihood that, yeah, your machine will have a catastrophic failure, yes. <laughs> because So yeah, having a tool like this, I mean, while, it, while I love the idea, uh, couldn't I end up really shooting myself in the foot? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that, that, that kind of gets back to one of the things I wanted to bring up is uh, how good is your all's tech support if uh, if Jim calls <laughs> you up and says, uh, hey, <laughs> I just shut off this port and now I can't see my screen anymore. Is your all's tech support going to be able to walk him through getting it back on? Well, well, these features are definitely enterprise, so um, these they will definitely have their own IT team working on that. And of oh, course, so they're going to offload the liability. To... <laughs> there it is. Yeah, we take great care actually to um, minimize the uh, like places where we integrate into US. So we try to like keep everything as is as we can um, in order to not break any existing setups. So we okay. do a lot of seamless integration. Um, and that has been working quite well so far. So we've... Yeah, yeah because to, to, to Ben's point, I think that the one of the biggest things, and Joey and I as practitioners and security professionals and consultants, it's not that we don't have the data that we need to find the things that we need. Uh, it's that there's so much data and it's so uh, ob obfuscated. It's got weird names. It's got weird ports. It's got, you know, uh, crazy process, uh, you know, IDs and stuff like that. Does your tool give you some way to say, okay, these we know uh, 
for instance, uh, our, our uh, required Windows processes or Linux processes or Mac processes, we don't want to, to screw with any of the, those processes. And we only want to get the ones that the user initiated. Does it have that feature? Um, this is something that we've actually, when we started a company, we started a third product to solve that problem. But we at some point figured that three products for a new companies, just too much. Um, we, and we killed that one. Um, but we are getting back to it. And mm -hmm. the idea is to like do it similar like uh, the Linux world is doing it with their uh, SE Linux setups that they bring on the community to help build these uh, known profiles for applications that are common. Okay. And that's the same in and of itself would be extremely useful, I think, to individuals. There's no, at <laughs> least nothing I've ever been yes. able to find a common database or a taxonomy of all this crap. And the names change on the fly because the vendors can adjust them all the time. So you're always chasing uh, a moving target. That's awesome. I like that. And I know you're busy and you're overtask saturated, but yes, that third product would be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a little bit of a better like target there as well because you're saying they're changing the name. Um, of course, if you if they are like try to be keep installed on your system, then of course, um, what we see is what like process is renaming itself and so on. So we're talking. Uh, we have from the beginning thought about different ways of how to fingerprint like this application as being the same. Uh, and so on. So we're we're um, thinking about this as well. So yeah. stuff that changes too often, of course. Um, yeah, like depending on your settings, will probably if it changes it if it changes its name, um, and you have it set up properly in the Portmaster, it won't be able to access your network at all. So <laughs> they awesome. will shut themselves into the foot. Yeah, I know. We're about to lose Joey. Joey, is there anything else you want to add before uh, um, you got to take off? No, I don't think so. Um, I'm excited to see where this product's going to go. Uh, I'd like to do a follow-up, you know, in, in, in a period of time to see the the new features, what you've learned, where, you know, roadblocks you've hit. And um, I'll also, you know, be kind of your uh, uh, guinea pig for, for the client base and, and try to. I'm going to try and break this thing, to be honest with you, and see if I can find right. the holes. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Daniel, are you willing to come back on the show, or have we abused you too much already? No, definitely. I'm having fun here. You lied to me. <laughs> you can't tell because you're only listening to this audience, but his face is so discordant from his actual words. It, it's like, no, I'm having fun, really. It, it's, yes, you can see. He's got a big smile on. He's happy. He's jocular. His eyes are lit up and shining. It's awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, Matt, anything else you want to you wanna no. wrap up with? Yeah, like, like Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested. In, and, and, you know, obviously I'm giving you guys kind of a hard time, and I'm, I don't really mean any of that <laughs> in any malicious way. Uh, I, I am interested to see this because I think that it's it's only good. I do wonder when at some point um, you just release your own OS because you guys are doing so much. At some point, you're just going to own the entire operating system. So I look forward to the Safing.io OS at some point in the future. There, there, there's a running gag here at a company, um, kind of when we'll, we'll create our own browser because yeah. that's kind of the thing that like a lot of companies do now, like creating yep. private browsers and stuff like that. But we're always like, no, no, no. 
that is it is a joke here. So yeah, there's hey, a I, joke I, called uh, Zawinski's law. That is, uh, every application will expand until it can read mail. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Um, awesome. Rafti, thank you for bringing Daniel to us. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. We're always nicer to strangers on this show than our friends. And I think that's a nerd culture thing where we beat up on our friends far more than we would uh, anybody from outside the circle. So um, please don't take offense at that. We love you. We love safing and we want nothing but the best for it. Yeah, plug, plug, plug um, the website where we can download this stuff. Yeah. Safing.io. It's just safing.io with an, with an F. So, S A F I N G dot I O. Good. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Daniel. Um, until well, next time. Thanks for having me. Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Jerry Police. And I'm Rafael Fidel. Sorry. <laughs> Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec.